Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Thursday morning, Birds fans. Thanks for streaming it. Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365, a phase two Thursday. We'll get the breakdown on what that means from my partner, John McMullen, in just a second. Show number 535. We just keep adding these up and uh, we're doing a countdown to a upcoming season in which the expectations will be pretty high on the Birds you got a chance to hear from a couple of the birds yesterday. Yeah, they hinted at expectations, didn't come blatantly out and make any bold predictions. Couldn't weasel that one out of them, huh, John? Uh, Johnny Mac yeah. had Eagle player availability yesterday. Who said something that grabbed you the most? Uh, yeah, you were asking me before we got it. Uh, to be honest, it was nondescript. Nobody uh, jumped out. It was uh, Devontae Smith. Um uh, uh, Jordan Mailata, Nicobe Dean, Josh Sweat. Now, if you know Devontae and Josh specifically, they're not going to give you much. So, I mean, they're very uh, understated guys, very good players, by the way. But they, they're just, you know, um, sort of run of the mill. Uh, Jordan, typically the best, the most comfortable. Um, and that was the case again yesterday. But to me, it's the, and I kind of predicted this on the show, I got one right, Nicobe Dean. Um, because that's you had a signal. Too. You got, I had Devontae. You had two right yesterday. Not terrible. Um, it because of what it signals. It signals if you know how the Eagles do business, he wouldn't be up there if if he wasn't uh, going to be a big part of the team and going to be essentially the on-field leader of the defense. So the signal was clear uh, when it came to Nicobe Dean. Now 
you know, he didn't like everybody else. He didn't say much, but that to me was the most important part um, was just the organization signaling that, that he's the guy that he's going to be running the defense. And uh, we all knew that, but it's kind of, and again, it's not an official coronation, but if you know how they do business, it's, it's meaningful. Right. We won't know for sure until they put the dot on the helmet. And uh, you and I both seem to agree that that's going to happen this year when they get on the field. Uh, He will be the guy who's calling the signals, which uh, part of it is just transactional. And that's somebody's got to be able to take the signals in from the sideline. But there's also faith that they're putting in that individual that he's going to be able to rally the troops. Everybody needs to be self-motivated on any given play. But there, there is a little camaraderie to it that you play as a unit, as a group. And the guy who's actually going to get the signals is a guy that they usually believe is going to be able to be a, be a leader out there on the field, which kind of gets me back to last year. And the Nick Rallis and Jonathan Gannon, they couldn't give him a couple more reps than 35 snaps. And he handled that well. Yes, that was one of the questions he got uh, about playing behind Kaiser White and TJ Edwards. They played well. I give them a ton of credit. I'm not knocking either of those two linebackers last year. They did the job. As a matter of fact, I think I give Kaiser White more credit than most. Some things they played well early. and I played pretty damn well every single game last year. I got no issues with the level of play they got from either of the two guys. But I would have liked to see Nicobe didn't get a couple more reps uh, over the course of a 17-game season. He didn't seem to mind it at all that he basically redshirted last year. Well, I think he minded it because he's competitive, but he also understood the situation, which is basically like if they're losing games, he would have been on the field, but they weren't. They kept winning and winning and winning and winning, and you don't fix what isn't broken, um, essentially is what it came down to. And he, he understood that part of it because, you know, he went through that at Georgia like everybody does at the college, especially at the college level where you have a ton of talent, you got to wait your turn. And then when it's your turn, it's your turn. And I think he, he understood that. And, you know, it would have been nice to get him a few more reps, no question about it. But I, I, I did, you know, somebody brought up a point to me that was probably well-suited. You know, they weren't going to sit TJ because TJ was playing too well. So it would have been Kaiser. And, He's going to play Mike linebacker. He's not going to play weak side linebacker. So, you know, if if there was an injury or something of that nature, uh, obviously he's your next best linebacker. You got to get him on the field. But with Kaiser staying healthy for the entire season, TJ staying healthy for the entire season, do you really want to get him extra reps at a position he's not going to play? I, I, you know, that that factors into it as well. You know, you don't want to you don't want to mess with something if you don't have to mess with something. Now, sometimes you only got fifty three players. If injuries arise, you got to do it. You got to play mm-hmm. out of position. You got to do it. But if you don't have to do it, and you're winning games and you're playing well, you know why mess with it? They want him to be a Mike linebacker. That's what he's going to be. Um, so what are extra reps at weak side linebacker going to do for him? Maybe a little bit just for a comfort factor, but I do think it was a good point brought up and saying, 
you know, he's not going to play that position anyway. Yeah, I'd like him out there on the field. Uh, is it less than what it, he would have gotten as far as far as experience goes if T.J. Edwards came off the field? Of course, that's the position that they were projecting him as, and he will be playing this year. So any reps he would have gotten for Kaiser White would have added less, but it would have added something. And I would have liked a little more of something than 35 snaps that he played last year. That's just me. I think experience would have helped him. Do I think that, oh, my God, there's that much more startup costs because he only played 35 snaps instead of 50 snaps? They'll be negligible at best. But whatever that little percentage is you could have added, I think they could have done just slightly more to get him on the field last year. Because you're right. Eagles were winning. Why do you take somebody off the field when you're winning? Well, you're winning by two-plus touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you take them off the field. You're protecting them as much as anything else. And I think they could have done a little bit more with Nicobe last year. But I'm I'm probably nitpicking, and the guys who made that decision are no longer here anymore. Nick Rallis is in Arizona with Jonathan Gannon. So, uh, yeah, Jody Mack, put it to rest. Don't worry about it. Nicobe Dean's going to be the starting middle linebacker out there or Mike linebacker out there. Yeah, it's not really a middle linebacker anymore. I shouldn't even use that phrase, uh, but that's what Mike is. Uh, so I thought Dean handled himself yesterday. He said he went back to school. Uh, he's still working toward his degree. He's a motivated young man, which we like a lot out of Jalen Hurts on the offensive side. I'm not saying that Kobe Dean is going to have the breakout year in his first year the way that Jalen had in his second year as a starter. It's Nicobe's first year as a starter. Um, but I do think he's, I think that is a position the Eagles will not have to worry about much during the year. They certainly won't have to worry about left tackle either. Jordan Mailata got a chance to speak yesterday and he is not only one of the Eagles best players, but also one of the Eagles most colorful players and very comfortable, as you noted, talking to the media. Um, when Kelsey spoke last time, you had Eagle availability. He did talk about how Isaac Sayamalo is going to be missed. Now, he's the center and played right next to Isaac. Jordan's on the other side <laughs> of the line, so their uh, nature in playing together is a little bit different, the relationship that, that Kelsey had. Um, do you think my lot of knows that they've got a question to be answered along the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, everybody does, but I, you know, they have so many options. I don't think anybody's too concerned about it. But part of that is Jeff Stoutlin. You say, well, even if you can't get Cam Jurgens, even if he's not a natural guard and, and you, you got to wait for him to play center and you got to go to Tyler Steen, uh, that's fine. And even if you, he has trouble catching on, moving outside from tackle to inside a guard as a rookie. You still have Jack Driscoll. <laughs> you can always default to Jack Driscoll's already played the position and, and proven he can do it to a certain degree. You also have Suo Peta. So, I mean, you have all these bodies, and they're working out DJ Fluker, who's played a ton inside a guard in the NFL. So, who knows? They might even bring him in. Um they have so many options. I don't. I don't think from that perspective. Um, but yeah, from Jordan. I mean, remember Jordan uh, at the beginning played next to Isaac. Isaac was a left guard before he got hurt, before he had the Lismark fracture, and then Landon Dickerson went over there and just took off, and then they moved him to right guard. So, um, from his perspective, it's not um, as meaningful uh, because him and Landon. 
thick as thieves on that left side, and they're just really good. I mean, you think about when Landon came in here, they didn't know each other. He's the best man at his wedding. He was talking about that. I mean, that's how close those two guys are. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's one where you just don't even worry about the left side of the Eagles offensive line. But, uh, yeah, replacing Isaac Samala, we've talked about, I, that's a bigger deal than people realize. Yeah, um, that's why I asked you the question. That's why I wondered what your and, read on my ladder was, that even though they're not side by side, he was a pretty damn important member of that Eagle offensive line. Yeah, and, and a well-respected one. I think he was far more well-respected inside the building than outside the building um, by fans and, and even media people. Um, and then inside the offensive line room, even more than maybe in the organization. I mean, they love that guy, Isaac Samali. You've heard not only Jason, but Lane Johnson talk about him and um, but from Jordan and, and Landon's perspective, it's not as big a deal as it is from Lane and Jason's perspective. Now, you know, the fact that the right guard, whomever it's going to be, is going to play in between Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, that's going to help them. So uh, it's going to be fine, but it's not going to be Isaac Samalo, probably at least early, certainly. And, oh, by the way, you ran down a couple of the candidates that they have uh, that are going to attempt to replace Isaac Sayamalu, seeing the draft pick, and Jurgens potentially moving to tackle, and uh, Dixon and uh, Opeta. A lot of choices. Uh, Drop-off is coming. Sorry to say, Eagle fans, now their job is to minimize that drop-off. But they have at least acknowledged that it's a drop-off, I I think so, since they are bringing in DJ Flukov. Really? A 10-year veteran who's been out of the league for two years. If you were good along the offensive line and you thought that you had all the bases covered and there was going to be no drop-off whatsoever, why would you bring in a guy who's been out of the NFL for two years? Um, Well, hey, they didn't bring him in. You know, they worked him out. He's been working out for a bunch of teams. They didn't sign him yet. Um you know, maybe they will. Now he has a history with Jeff Stoutman. He was at Alabama with Jeff Stoutman. That might explain it right there. Um, he former first round pick. He, he he's he's played a lot. You know, the the most interesting thing to me is not he wouldn't be being brought in here to to compete for the right guard job. I I think he'd be brought in here as depth as um, a swing tackle. Um, that's a position where they lost Andre Dillard, which nobody talks about because they think Andre stunk, but the Eagles didn't think Andre stunk. Um, And the one interesting thing about Jordan Mylotta, and this is why it's interesting. Um, Zach, Zach Berman asked him, you know, who's working behind you? And he kind of joked around and said, you want the depth chart made? (laughs) You know, because the Eagles are taught not to give up anything. And for those that don't, Jordan, Jordan Mylotta knows all of us. Like he's one of those players that goes out of his way to learn everybody's name. He knows everybody. He knows who they are, but the, you know, the people that have been there for a while. And he couldn't come up with the names of the young backup tackles. 
I I I thought that because of what I know of Jordan, and like he works hard to 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 connect with people, know people. Um, and he couldn't um, he couldn't come up with Fred Johnson, Rod Johnson, <laughs> Tyrese Robinson. Uh, these are the backup offensive linemen, and you know he eventually got it. But I thought it just stuck to me. Like, eh, they're not – that probably means they're not – Not not opening eyes is what yeah, you're telling us, Johnny Mack. Exactly. Mann. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think that's probably why they're taking a look at uh, DJ Fluker. He has played uh, across the offensive line when he was playing two years ago. Um, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, he played uh, across the offensive line, everything, I think, except center. Uh, but he did play more time at right guard in the NFL than any other position. And as of right now, the Eagles do not have a returning starter at right guard. They do at their other four positions, but they don't at right guard. So Fluker is, by some stretch of the imagination, after two years sitting on the sidelines down 25, 30 pounds. Oh, he's in great sudden... shape. He's in great shape. Uh, there's video. He's he's gotten himself in great, great shape. Uh, I don't know if he can still play, but... Uh... Um, you know, he's been he's been going the rounds. I'm sure somebody will give him a, an opportunity. And it could be, like I said, it could be Jeff Stoutland doing him a favor. Um, but they do need uh, – uh, and Jack Driscoll would be – played a little bit at left tackle, but I don't know how comfortable you would be if he had to play that for a couple games over a longer span, which you hope he doesn't. But uh, – they lost a lot of comfort when, when Andre Dillard walked out the building. Yeah, they're, they've got a couple of guys that they need to replace on the offensive line. I just was surprised to see DJ Fluker's name there. At one time, pretty good offensive lineman in the league. Was a while ago, out of football for the last two years. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac. You Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We've got two good guests coming your way. Next hour, we'll have our pal Chris Franklin from NJ.com. But up next... From Bleeding Green Nation and I on the Enemy podcast, it's John Stolas making another appearance here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! 
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake a mom. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Jump aboard, you read him on Bleeding Green Nation, you check out his podcast, I Am the Enemy, uh, one of the better Eagle podcasts around there. JS, been a couple of weeks, how's your off season going? Going good so far, you know, we're taking it easy, dipping our toe into it so far, but, uh, you know, making it happen. Okay, since uh, Trey Turner at least put a smile on your face. Yeah, for there we go. Yeah, for one day that. at least, right? Exactly. A season. Uh, I saw season saber. Are we going that far, John? Season. I, I would saber say with. maybe see maybe season altering. I think I'm ready right. to go. Maybe there, but season saving. It's still May. I like that's the altering. What I, aspect. I said that's kind of early, but uh, yeah, you know, get excited. John, your last, uh, either your last post or one of your most recent posts talked about the Eagles being very popular this year. Explain what you meant by that. Well, we've been doing some polls at SB Nation uh, through various teams, and some of those teams have been asking their fans what game are they most looking forward to on their schedule. And we pointed to one from the New England Patriots where they listed about, and I think roughly a third of the fans, and it was by far the number one vote, had the Eagles as their the, the opponent they're most looking forward to seeing uh, at, at their home stadium this year. And as you look around the league and you see how popular the team has become, I know in a lot of cases, the Eagles are seen as the heel of the NFL right now for, for whatever reason, but they're the team that everybody's gunning for in the NFC. They've got stars littered throughout the roster. And you, it dawned on me, I, this is going to be, one of the most popular teams in the NFL. I mean, I can think you could reasonably assume that Kansas City Chiefs might be a little bit higher on the list, given the fact we're looking at a potential dynasty there. But with the way the Eagles played in the Super Bowl, all of the noise they've made in the offseason, with all the additions that they've brought in, the draft that they had, opponents are, I mean, the fan bases might not like the result at the end of the games, because I think Mm -hmm. the Eagles are going to be favored in a vast majority of their games this year. But you talk about an an entertaining team, an entertaining product to come into your stadium. Teams are going to be looking at the Eagles as a measuring stick, and the fan bases are going to want to see how their teams measure up to the Eagles. And so I think if you look at fan bases throughout the NFL, the the Eagles coming into their home stadium, that's going to be a marquee ticket all season long. 
Yeah, I agree with that. There's a, you know, Jody asked me probably from your piece, you asked me that earlier in the week, why, why are the Eagles going to be heels? And I agree. The Eagles are going to be heels, but it depends on your definition. Look, fan bases outside the Delaware Valley can't stand the Eagles fan base. It's got nothing to do with the yeah. popularity of the team. So uh -huh. they're always yeah. heels. That's how mm -hmm. I kind of look at it now. Yeah. You know, from a media perspective, yeah, the Eagles are going to be extremely popular because they're going to be a very good team, bunch of good guys. We're just talking about Jordan Mailata. We know Jason Kelsey, Jalen Hurts. Hard not to like these guys. They they do things the right way. Um, so I think it's kind of, you know, a sliding spectrum. I think there's a lot of respect for this organization um, around the league. People keep pilfering from it when they can. Mm -hmm. Um all of that stuff is good, but I think they're always heels, John. Always because, but that has nothing to do with the team or the organization. No, that but I, I, I think there's a sense that maybe Howie Roseman is getting a little overhyped. I think we saw some. Oh well, that. Uh, but like that. Uh, uh, oh, other GMs are jealous of that. <laughs> sure, sure, but I, I will say the heel aspect of the Eagles, I think, is Nick Sirianni because. That's I think true. he meant, I think yeah. he rubbed a lot of other teams fans the wrong way when he was when the Eagles were running up those big scores against the Giants and 49ers kind of preening to the camera mm, yeah. a little bit. We loved it. But, yeah. you know, I think a lot of the other fan bases didn't love that so much. And in the Super Bowl, when the Eagles thought that they were going to have that Devontae Smith catch um, overturned and that it was going to he's waving for the Chiefs to come on down the field. And remember, Jalen Hurts had to kind of slap his hand down. It's like, would you stop? You know, kind of a thing. I think the idea here is that Nick Sirianni is playing into the heel aspect a little bit, and they're having fun with it. I think for the Eagles, it's fun. Just like the Dallas Cowboys were the heels of the yeah. NFL for, By the for way, so John, long. I forgot about that. That was straight. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Now at the time, I'm like the 24-year-old is more mature than the head coach. Oh, yeah. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're right. Nick Sirianni, I think I mentioned that. Yeah, he's a heel. No question about it. Outside. The right, Delaware right, Valley, but right. yeah, because I mean, hey, and and by the way, I have no problem with it. I always say, <laughs> you know, when when the NFL toggles back and forth between touchdown celebrations, I never care about touchdown. I'm like, stop it! If you're upset about it, stop it! Don't let right. them get in the end zone. That right? That to me, so I have no problem with anybody celebrating success. But you're right, Nick rubs people the wrong way. Um, and that's part of it. Yeah, that's definitely part yeah. of it. As well, uh, uh, overall, though, the team is um, very likable, I think. Uh, the players. Um, yeah, a few here and there, but everybody's got uh, a few. But when you talk about the core, again, the, the, the Jalen Hurts, the Kelsey's, the Lane Johnson's, the Brandon Graham's, mm -hmm. how do you not like those guys? Yeah, I mean, th those guys are, are all very popular veterans, respected guys throughout the locker room. Jalen Hurts, everybody wants to play with Jalen Hurts. That's the thing around the league is anytime you hear anybody say anything about Jalen Hurts. I mean, I have you ever heard anyone say one negative thing about Jalen Hurts or Brandon Graham or Jason Kelsey or all these guys that you mentioned? Not, I mean, they're, not, they're... not off the field. You know, right, on the right, field, right. we all thought, because I get this every day, John, because I'm, you know, evidently I'm the only one who said Jalen Hurts was not going to be a superstar quarterback. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I, you I, never believed, John. Please. I can't believe yeah. it. 
Everybody had that locked down. I'm so surprised. Yeah. I missed it at the time, but yeah. Uh, in in truth, there were about two of us that did, of which I'm one, and I have said superstar. But there, there was two who liked the draft pick. Everybody else hated it, but somehow, no. amazingly, after an MVP yes, year, everyone everybody, loved it. Everybody, everybody knew. knew he was going to be a superstar. Stop it. Yeah, I've never doubted it for one second in my life. Always loved the draft pick. Never. <laughs> and by the Howie way, Roseman. somehow they have, have 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 tied themselves in the pretzel to convince themselves that Howie was fleecing. He he was fleecing us. He was yeah. fooling us. He always knew that was all media driven, John. That yeah. the Eagles were kicking the tires on Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. This is all news to me, but I get it every day. Every day. Everybody knew Jalen Hurts was yeah. going to be a superstar. It's amazing. Wait, well, they, they got... you know, it, 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 I thought it was going to be tougher to replace Andy Waddle, but all you got to do is take anybody from the band base and he yeah. per personnel geniuses all over the place. But I digress. Yeah. Um, the, the group as a whole is, as I said, very likable. Um, but it all comes down to success. Let's be honest. They're good. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, that's part of the likability factor. If, if you start, and we brought it up a little bit with Nick Sirianni, you're not mugging for the camera if you're losing by two touchdowns. Um, you know, Brandon Graham is famous personality. He's smart enough to understand he's got to temper it if things aren't going well. We've seen it. He's been around so long. He's been on good teams. He's been on bad teams. So you you have to act a certain way in a certain situation. But I think this team is very understanding, and I think it, it goes back to that core four. How important is those guys? And I throw Fletcher Cox in there as well. And I think Fletcher might be more important this year than ever before because mm -hmm. of Jalen Carter. But overall, yeah, no how important is that core four? I think they're very important. I think they provide a level of comfort and stability. I certainly for the coaching staff, I think you have a general idea what kind of production you're going to get from those guys. It may not be superstar level production anymore, but Brandon Graham certainly, you know, his first career doubles double digit sack season. Um, it's kind of an interesting time for it to happen at this stage in his career. He's clearly, clearly still got something. All these guys, Lane Johnson is still the best, maybe, offensive lineman in football. Jason Kelsey is still a top three center in football, if not the best. And they, so not only do they need those guys all on the field in a lot of cases, they just provide that stability to the locker room. And with all of these guys coming in from Georgia, you know, you'd worry about the, the you know, clicks forming in the club, in the locker room and all that stuff. And I, I don't think that's going to happen because these guys run the show, you know, these guys run the, run the locker room and they're high integrity guys. They're, they're guys who, have won a Super Bowl before. They've been to a second one. They, they, they know what it what a team is supposed to do to get ready for a football season to stay ready throughout the season. And I don't think you can underestimate how important it is when you're transitioning from one Super Bowl era to potentially another Super Bowl era that you have these guys from the from the previous one to help the the guys for the maybe the next generation to to build a career and they can see how things are done. So I think it's really important that those guys all resigned. Uh, and I, I don't know that any of them are going to be here after 2023. So this is a season where they, you know, they need to do their mentoring and, and the young guys can, can watch these guys and hopefully they get one more ride to glory out of them. But it's, it's really important that they're here. 
knowing full well that I might be risking uh, the ire of Eagle fans for pointing out that they're not great at every position on the field, let me uh, sarcastically act. ask uh, Nicholas Morrow, all pro or just pro bowl? Because we know Nicobe Dean is stepping in as a rookie and going to be all pro. Uh, so yeah. that's not even a question. But Nicholas Morrow, all pro or pro bowl? Is it even fair to ask if the Eagles have a question, if not an issue at linebacker to start the season? Yeah, the linebacker position worries me. And it's it's something that's a position that's always worried me. I, I love linebacker play. I think we've seen that the most important aspect of the of the defense is certainly the line getting to the quarterback in good cornerback play. But I, I really feel like if you have a playmaker at linebacker, you can do a lot of things. You can be really dangerous, especially in the middle of the field, which is where we saw teams attack the Eagles last year. When when teams were successful going after the Eagles, it was in the middle of the defense. It was in the middle of the field, targeting the tight ends, uh, going up against the Eagles linebackers. And I I hope N'Kobe Dean is ready to take that step and to be an impact player on the defense, but I'm not at all a believer in Nicholas Morrow. And I still believe that there's time to find something better for something else to shake loose for, you know, some, somebody to get released late in the off season or for a, a, a training camp trade to be made. Like we saw last year, given how late in the summer the, it, it took for the Eagles to become fully formed. I'm not stressing about that just yet because I, I feel like there's still time. And I know Howie Roseman is a guy who works the phones. They are on top of what every team is doing around the NFL. It wouldn't at all surprise me if they have one or two or three names of guys that they are keeping an eye on thinking this guy might get dropped. Look at their roster. Look at their depth chart. I don't think they have room for this guy. So maybe you are starting trade discussions or you're keeping an eye out for somebody to get released. I do think they are weak at linebacker right now. I don't, I think if you are going into the season banking on the Kobe Dean to be an impact player, you're using hope as a tactic. That's generally speaking, not the best way to go. Sometimes it works out for you, but most of the time you end up getting disappointed and then you've got to make a, a you've got to make changes on the fly in the middle of the season. So uh, I do think they need something at linebacker. I think Nicobe Dean should start. I think he should be given that opportunity, but Nicholas Morrow and, and I, they, they need to get something a little bit more reliable. Uh, to answer Jody's question, Pro Bowl alternate for Nicholas Morrow. I don't want to go too high. I don't want to go Pro <laughs> That's Bowl. Fair, so he'll John. probably be I a, appreciate your fairness. A, a Pro yeah. Bowl alternate level player. You're right. It's though, a sober John. analysis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Howie. That's one. That's a Howieism. Hope is not a strategy. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. They have to, and I believe they will add something at linebacker. Now, one thing I've heard, um, and I think most of it is because a lot of people don't understand uh, linebacker doesn't necessarily, Alpo linebacker doesn't necessarily equate to linebacker, but that's how Nolan Smith is labeled, much mm -hmm. like Hassan Reddick is labeled as a linebacker. The two positions couldn't be more different. They're a heck of a lot closer to what Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham do than what N'Kobe Dean is going to do. Mm -hmm. However, um, when you do get down to 53, there are times uh, because of injury, because of attrition. Jody and I were just talking about this with the, uh, a, a different tact um, 
you got to move guys around. It's happened with Avante Maddox. The Eagles didn't want to move him to safety. They had to move him to safety because of injuries. If it pops up during the season, is Nolan Smith good enough, athletic enough, smart enough to play some off-ball linebacker? You know, it's funny. We we talked about that a little bit when I was on with you guys right after the draft, and I know the Eagles had mentioned him. I think they, I think, didn't Howie Roseman say something about about him potentially playing a little bit of linebacker this year? And, and I think maybe they have him earmarked to, to do that. The, the The scouting report on him is that he is an elite athlete, and so you would think that he would have that coverability, that he could maybe cover a, a tight end coming out of the backfield or a running back for teams that still send running backs out into the pattern from out of the backfield. And so... I don't know enough about him to say for sure if he could lock that down, if he could be a guy who you'd want doing that, starting in that position for five, six weeks in a row. Um, we'll get a better sense of that in training camp about how, how quick he moves, how, he, how, how well he does adjusting to that. I imagine they will give him reps there. Uh, and I would like to see him in some games um, in, in, uh, in the preseason uh, to see if, he can ha- see if he can hang with that and see if he can handle it. It would certainly give them another tool in their tool belt. Um, they wouldn't have to go out and they wouldn't have to make a trade. They wouldn't have to sign anybody. But uh, I think the OTAs, maybe they'll get a little bit of a sense of that. It's I don't love the idea. I'd rather see him just pin his ears back and be a pass rusher, which is, I think, what they drafted him for. It's what he did best in college. But like you said, at, at, at the NFL level, when you've got a full roster and you've got lots of players everywhere, he might be more useful to them in his rookie season. And he might get more playing time as a linebacker rather than as an edge rusher. And maybe you can use him in in both ways. So it's nice to have some guys who are athletic enough that you could think about doing something like that. And I think he's one of them. Johnny. Yes. From time to time, Johnny Mack and I have fun with the Eagle fans here on birds, three sixty five, and, and pick on them a little bit. And let me say the Eagle fans, any other one, 31 teams in the national football league as well. Fan bases. Uh, when guys like, Devontae Adams' name gets thrown around or DeAndre Hopkins' name gets thrown around because they're not happy at their current. Let's get them. It'll be a perfect fit with the Eagles. Well, yeah. yeah. Them them and every other fan base. Everybody wants the superstar players. They don't care about realistically or not. And I don't think there's any chance Eagles get either of those two wide receivers. But let me go here. Let's say A.J. Brown severely turns an ankle week one and -hmm. it's going to be lost for a month. What are Eagles going to do with wide receivers? Specifically replacing a guy on the outside. How do they reconfigure the op- the options that they have at wide receiver? It's going to be a drop-off. We all know it's going to be a drop-off. Only the blind, yeah. eagle glass-covered uh, fans think that, oh, we'll be perfectly fine. No, they won't. But yeah. if the drop-off is going to be held to a specific level, not uh, good, but not, uh, oh, my God, drastic. We stink now at wide receiver. The Eagles have enough depth at wide receiver outside going into this season in your mind. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, if if Brown and, and Smith are healthy, then I, I think having Zacchaeus and, and Watkins as your three and four probably work. But I wonder, you could probably say that about any team that has two Pro Bowl wide receivers. If one of those guys goes down, there's probably not another guy that you would feel really comfortable starting on the outside and saying, all right, fella, here, here's, here's 11 targets. Go get them. I, it, it's, it's so, I mean, it's not a unique problem to the Eagles. I don't think that being said, it, if, if Brown goes down or Smith goes down and it's going to be a lengthy, a lengthy injury, you would have 
you would not feel comfortable having Quez Watkins as your as your other outside receiver. And I think he'd be the guy. I don't think they would put Zacchaeus as, as the outside. He seems like a, a strictly a slot guy for the Eagles. So you're you're banking on Quez Watkins bouncing back. And essentially now you have your your 2021 wide receiver core back in place, with the exception of Jalen Rager not being there. So Watkins could 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 he improve? Sure. Is that again? Is that something you can bank on? Absolutely not. So it would depend if you know if if DeAndre Hopkins is out there and he's available, and you lose one of your top two wide receivers. I think the Eagles understand they're in the mode. The window is open right now to get back to the Super Bowl and win it right now. I could very easily see them giving up capital from the twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four NFL draft. High, you know, first round pick capital, second round pick capital to fill any position that they feel is vital. Like if Darius Slay goes down, you know, what do you do at cornerback? You know, do you go out and you do you do you trade a first round pick or a second round pick to to help get you a star cornerback to to fill the void? They're in that kind of a position right now where they they need to be really aggressive. And so to answer your question, if Brown were to go down and those guys are on the on the trade mill, yes, I would absolutely get aggressive in in going and grabbing one of those guys because time is now. Time is right now to strike while the iron's hot. Um, yeah. And I agree with your sort of sentiment, John, but I, I want to emphasize that's post catastrophe, right? Post catastrophe, mm-hmm. pre catastrophe. You can't count on, you can't legislate injuries. I talk about it all the time. So you have to build a roster. Yeah. If Deandre Hopkins loves Jalen hurts so much, he would actually come here and he wouldn't, but I'm, I'm going to, Jody Mack route hypotheticals and says, mm-hmm. you know what? I'll, I'll play for $5 million. Um, just cause I want to play with Jalen hurts. Would you go down that route and put those three names in the same receiving room, understanding the traffic issues. There's only mm-hmm. so much to go around. This is a five time all pro player. Um, Probably not going to be happy with Quez Watkins's two targets a game. Yeah. Um, and it it doesn't have to be DeAndre Hopkins, as Jody pointed out. Devontae yeah. Adams is ridiculous. That's the best receiver in football. But, you know, when OBJ was out there, well, why not bring in OBJ? There's a science to roster building, isn't there? You got to fit guys into roles. Yeah, and I think – the issue with that is we were just talking about the linebacker position. If they wanted to upgrade the safety position, um, you know, offensive line could probably use a, another body, you know, just to kind of have a depth there. They really do miss Andre Dillard. I know you guys were, were talking about that before I came on. I mean, if, if you add another star wide receiver, then I think you might be getting diminishing returns at that point because it, yes, they'd be very hard to defend, but, is AJ Brown getting the ball enough? Is is Devontae Smith getting the ball enough? The new guy you would get is he getting there's Dallas Goddard. You know, you've got some receivers out of the backfield that you can that you can put out there. I, I think I love the idea of adding that guy, but then I worry about you becoming unbalanced. And I think one of the great things about the Eagles roster last year was that it was very balanced. They seemed to have the right amount of talent at every position virtually throughout the team. There are a couple spots where maybe you would have liked to have seen a little bit more. But I worry that if you go out and you even five million dollars or whatever it is for for a wide receiver, that's five million you don't have to you don't have to spend to upgrade at linebacker, and that's five million you don't have to, you don't have to upgrade a 
offensive linemen and to fill other holes and in, in, at safety or wherever. So I would be reticent to doing something like that because it also depends what, what would you have to give up? Would, would it be a good idea to give up a first round pick or a second round pick to go get, you know, we'll use DeAndre Hopkins as the name here to go get somebody like that when he would kind of be superfluous, maybe. I mean, are you getting enough out of, are you getting enough out of him to, to, to justify that? I, I don't, I don't know that you are. Agreed. I, although Michael Clay will not cop to this. Johnny told me this yesterday. He said, Jody, don't even try and run that by Michael Clay. Um, <laughs> did the NFL do the Eagles a favor by instituting this new fair catch on kickoff rule, seeing as last year, and I'd love you to tell me if they added some special team specialist that I didn't realize during this offseason, kickoffs were not a strength of the Eagles, either returning them and or covering them. So it seems to me like the NFL did the Eagles a solid here by once again, worrying tremendously about the health of the players in the National Football League, even though they're playing Thursday nights and every other day during the week and, and doing a lot of things that uh, run in the uh, mm-hmm. face of worrying about the health of the players. But that's what they're hanging this new kickoff rule on. Did yeah. it help the Eagles for 2022 in your mind? Well, I mean, from what I understand from the rule, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's 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 the returner's option to decide whether to, to yeah. catch or yeah. not. And so if the Eagles are weak covering kickoffs, why would you fair catch? They could still return every kickoff the Eagles send their way, you know, if it's a, if it comes down to the five-yard line. Until the Eagles show they can stop somebody from returning kickoffs, I wouldn't fair catch kickoffs. I would keep running them back. I'd run them, you know, because the Eagles had a real hard time getting guys inside the 25 last year. So, yes, the option is there for teams to to decide to, to just take a knee when they get the kickoff, and I think a lot of teams will, will utilize that for sure. But... If you're facing a team that you know on film has trouble covering kickoffs, I wouldn't fair catch. I'd keep running that thing back. So I don't know if the if that's still a weakness for the Eagles. I don't think it's going to impact their ability to improve in special teams and in the kick return game, the, 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 the kick coverage game, because they could continue to be bad at it and teams could continue to exploit that to exploit that weakness. Yeah. There's always unintended consequences. And you might start feeling a little bit haughty and say, you know what? Let's mortar kick this. Let's pin him down in inside the 25. Mm-hmm. Um, try to get them to make that decision. Maybe they make the wrong decision. Um, but if you can't cover, as John pointed out, you can't cover. And and whether yeah. it's Cordero Patterson or some rookie, um, you can't cover. You can't cover. So they better get. Who's who's the guy from the Patriots again, Johnny? That you like? Oh, Marcus Jones. Yeah, uh, I love. Uh, I wanted him on. On I wanted the Eagles to draft him. Uh, tremendous returner. You'll get to see him week one. Yeah. Um. But overall, I want to talk about your reaction to that rule from the NFL's perspective because every single, literally, thirty-two nothing. Every single one of them, special teams coordinator, said, no, we shouldn't do this. Roger Goodell pushed it through. It's about legal indemnity more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, what, 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 is the, what is the NFL's end game as far as the kickoff? Do you think we're just en route to where it's going to be banned? Or mm-hmm. they're trying to save it in some form while protecting the the glorious owners and having to yeah. pay out in some kind of legal settlement down the road. 
And why well, is it kickoffs? Why yeah. only kickoffs? Yeah. Well, I mean, because it's kickoffs because that's one thing you can you, you can control. Like on a punt, teams have to you know unless you're going to allow somebody to to you know throw a football downfield like you do in street football. You know that's you when it's fourth down. That's really the only court. They can't ban the punt. I, I don't know what you do if if unless you just make teams Wait, go for it. On make the them down. go for it. Force yeah, them and, to go for it. Yeah. And I think that would be that would be too radical a shift for for even the NFL. But with the kickoffs, that's something you can you can do away with. You can just say you know I mean. I think what they're trying to do is thread the needle here. I think they're trying to, I think they're trying to avoid brain injuries. I think they're trying to cut down on the number of just the number of injuries out on the field, even if it's not head injuries, you know, guys colliding, they're trying to avoid as, as much as possible guys running full steam into each other from 40 yards away. And, and that's one of the, and the kickoff is really the last place where we, where we see that a lot. You don't see safeties running from deep in the middle of the field, like Brian Dawkins did when he smashed Algie Crumpler in the 2004 NFC Championship game. Those plays Algie are out Crumpler. now. Good, good reference there, John. Yeah, that's a good, I, I, I pulled that out of my pocket. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's funny because the, the the NFL used to be about that, right? Those collision yeah. hits, you know, the Sheldon Brown on 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 Reggie Bush hit in the Saints playoff game. The NFL used to really pump those things up, and now they're fleeing from that because of the brain injury issues, and it's understandable. They indemnity is is one thing they want to keep players healthy they want to keep they want to keep players safe i i think the demar hamlin situation last year even though that didn't happen on a special teams play they want to avoid having another instance like that on the field and as rare as that is and as unlikely as that is they want to just kind of eliminate all that kind of stuff so i don't think they're ready to just do away with it but i do think it's a step in that direction and i I kind of believe that probably in five or 10 years after a touchdown or a field goal, you're just going to see teams put the ball in the 25 yard line and, and, and go and, and just get rid of the kickoffs entirely. And then I don't know what special teams coaches are going to do for a living. What it was it you Jody who brought up yesterday? Commercial breaks though. They can't get rid of those commercial breaks. They'd still um, be there. It takes time to walk the ball all the way down to the 25 <laughs> yard line. That's you true. Instruct your officials uh, saunter when you're out there, guys. Yeah. We got to get Take CBS, time, NBC, fellas. Fox. They're uh, hey, you guys remember uh, Algie, Algie's brother? Uh, the, 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 there was another Crumpler. Great name, by the way. Yeah, uh, I don't. Algie Crumpler. Carlester Crumpler. You really? Him? Wow. No, I do not. That's a good I point. Thought I thought Algie's brother was Moss, but that's just a scientific Our Lester um, Yes. All right. Uh, Johnny, I need a prediction from you. Crystal ball, tea leaf type thing. Mm-hmm. Week 13, Eagles 49ers, mm-hmm. Lincoln Financial Field. As of now, it's scheduled for Fox at 430 or 425, whatever, John. If it's not one o'clock, John McMullen's not happy about it. Um, let me let me suggest there is a chance that the time is moved. Okay. They really bend over backwards for their new billion dollar pals at Amazon and let them select that for a Thursday earlier in the week game for maybe a more logical movement to Sunday night rather than 425 830 to NBC because mm-hmm. I, I don't need to even look at the rest of the schedule there's not a game on there that's going to be better than 49ers right. Eagles and if NBC has got the ability to do so they go oh yeah give us Eagles mm-hmm. 49ers when uh, we know where but mm-hmm. when what day and or time will 49ers Eagles week 13 be played 
I look at the, uh, you know, you mentioned the money. Um, Amazon Prime, certainly. It's a nice extra little boatload of cash for the NFL. Big boat. NBC. Big, yeah. big, 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 big boat. But I say, if that's a big boat, NBC is a is a carnival cruise ship, right? Yeah. That's a monster. <laughs> and they're going to win out. If they want the game on Sunday night, it's going to be on Sunday night. Or if, uh, if ESPN wants the game on Monday night, it's going to be on Monday night. And I think it's far more likely that I think people would lose their minds if that game got shifted to a Thursday because you don't want those two teams in this marquee matchup playing on a short week where, you know, maybe there's, there are some key players who are nursing injuries. You don't, you don't want them to have to miss that game in order to squeeze it in on a Thursday night to satisfy Amazon prime. So no, I think if they move that game, if that game gets flexed, I think it gets flexed to a Sunday night or a Monday night uh, to, to really showcase those, those players and get the maximum number of eyeballs on that game as possible. Yeah, I think, I think, I have to check it in the break. Uh, Albert Breer had a good uh, schedule uh, report there. And, and one of the issues with the schedule was and why it took so long and they weren't publicizing it like normal because they had so many masters to serve now and everybody, mm-hmm. they got to make everybody happy. And as you oh, mentioned, yeah. John, the, the status of Amazon, it's big, but it's not NBC. Um I believe that's one game that Fox fought for and, you know, protected. So I don't think they're moving it at all from that perspective. I think there were certain games that they locked in for everybody, Fox, CBS, and NBC. I believe that's one of them, not a hundred percent, but I think that's one Albert reported on. So there's going to be, you know, when we think about flex scheduling, there's going to be games that you might look at and say, well, this is a big game. They got to move it, but they're not going to be able to move it because they promised it to, to said network Mm -hmm. and kind of want to expand that out to ask you this, John, I have, have, have they gone too far with all these different cooks in the kitchen when it comes to not only the schedule, but the days and we have black Friday football. Now we have, you know, we're going to have three games on Christmas. It's going to be interesting to me if Christmas is on the Tuesday coming up or Wednesday, are they going to play NFL football on a Tuesday or a Wednesday schedule? Do you think they're going too far? Because one of the great things about the NFL that fuels its popularity is the scarcity, right? Baseball, they're playing every day. Yeah. Um, basketball, 82 on and on so many games, football, it's, it's an event. Are they making it less of an event? I think they are. Um, I think it's a recognition though, of changing viewing patterns. I think you're seeing younger generations. They don't, they don't go to the TV on a Sunday afternoon and sit for three hours and watch a game anymore. A lot of times they are, you know, they're playing video games or they're out with friends or, or whatever. And so it's, it's, I think the NFL at some point is going to try and have football on every day in, in some capacity, which is brutal. And I don't, I don't know how that would possibly work, but they're certainly trying to get it on as many days of the week as possible right now. I think universally, aside from having something to watch on Thursdays, everybody understands that Thursday night football is just kind of a bad idea, with the exception of on Thanksgiving. So, but, but yet it's here and it's here to stay and it's growing. 
the Saturday games at the end of the year when college football goes away are awesome. I, I would, I would, I love those. I've always loved that. Some foot NFL on Saturday. That's a, that's a fantastic idea that should never mm-hmm. go away. But like you mentioned, if Christmas is on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, they should not be playing football on Christmas or Christmas Eve, unless it falls on a Sunday or a Monday, you know, I mean, maybe a Saturday, if, if Christmas falls on a Saturday, sure. You can put a, a Christmas game on Saturday as families around the TV. That's, that's fine. But all of this stuff in the middle of the week, it just wrecks players. You hear players talk about it, and you guys know this. It's 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 awful for players. They don't want to be playing on Thursday. They don't even playing on Friday. I, so I think they are trying to um, dip into these different markets, these different streaming services, understanding that people are catching sports in shorter bites on different platforms, on the go, on tablets, all these different kinds of things. And they're experimenting right now with a lot of different things. And you know, we might not see Black Friday games after this if, if it doesn't work out. But everybody loves the NFL. Everybody's hungry for the NFL, and they want it all the time. And so the NFL is simply trying to give the, the audience what they want. And it's I miss the specialness of Sundays, of football being on Sundays and that being the day. But I think we've passed the point of no return on that. All right, last one for me, John. And this is under the umbrella of SB Nation. Your, your bud Nars, uh, BLG, likes to tap into a couple of the other sites every once in a while. And he went to blogging the boys. Mm-hmm. And Jess Haney's got a post about Carson Wentz potentially signing with the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Come oh. on. That, that's, that's disrespect to Cooper Rush. I'm sorry. Why are we <laughs> even going there? Cooper Rush did a nice job filling in with that for them last year until he had mm-hmm. to play the Eagles. That was a problem for Cooper. But, uh, Carson to the Cowboys. Can you see it? I can't. I can't. No. I mean, after all those years of Carson versus Dak, right? Are we gonna are we gonna have now Carson submit? Cunningham did up with did end up with a star in his helmet. Got he it. did. And but here's the thing though. I think you you're right about Cooper Rush. When you're looking for a backup quarterback, what you want is a guy who's not gonna make waves, right? you want a capable quarterback who can come in and win three or four games for you, five games for you, win like Three out of five, just to kind of get you through a rough patch when you're when your starting quarterback is out. And I don't know what what people still see in Carson Wentz that makes them think he can even be an effective backup quarterback. How I mean, maybe against a a, a bad defense, Carson can come in and do some things. But when you're a team like the Dallas Cowboys and you have in Cooper Rush a guy who was good last year when when Dak was out, don't yeah, he won games. He yeah. won. He saw what he saw a five and zero. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I mean, I forget, yeah. So. I don't understand. It wouldn't make any sense to me. Like, don't rock the boat. Don't because Carson says he's ready for a reduced role, or seems to be indicating he's ready for a reduced role. Nobody, nobody's starting. He's not going to be a starting quarterback. So, but he, it makes more sense for him to go to a team where he could slide into a starting spot if a quarterback struggles. So he should be eyeing teams that have quarterback issues, that have a lot of uncertainty at the quarterback position, and go sign there if he can find a team that wants to do that. And I just, aside from Jerry Jones, just seeing a bright, shiny object and deciding, oh, maybe we can fix Carson Wentz. It, I, I don't see it making any sense for him to go to Dallas. I wouldn't care as an Eagles fan. I've kind of washed my hands of the Carson Wentz era. He was great for a time while he was here. And he, if he plays for Dallas, it's not going to bother me at all. But I just, it doesn't make sense logically from a, from a, from a production standpoint. Yeah. The best part of that post, uh, hat tip to BLG, got the Carson picture in Washington talking about talking to Jason Peters with the uh, Cowboys jersey on. So well done yeah. Yeah. Uh, from BLG. At John Stolness, 
Make sure you follow John on Twitter. Does a tremendous job at Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, the good fights. Uh, Eye on the Enemy podcast. Billy Penn now. Is that yeah. new? Did I just, uh, is that new? Tell us about that. Yeah, so so the the Phillies podcast I do hit and season. We've teamed up with WHYY and Billy Penn. Um, Billy Penn is uh, hosting our Phillies podcasts now. So nice. Yeah, yeah. So BillyPenn.com slash hit and season is our landing page there, and all of our Phillies podcasts are right there. Awesome, Johnny. Great stuff. Always good to catch up with you, bud. Continue to enjoy your off season. You know we'll be getting you back on in a couple of weeks. Thanks, bud. You bet. Anytime, guys. Gunstoneless, Bleeding Green Nation, and Eye on the Enemy podcast. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, still got an hour left to play. Chris Franklin of NJ.com about 20 minutes from now. Stay right here. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, Mac here with you on Bird Street 65, the Thursday before Memorial Day weekend, which we found out yesterday, we will be off here on Bird Street 65 on Memorial Day. So, uh, sorry, we're taking a holiday. I know we call ourselves Bird 365, but we do. Yeah, we always get that quip when when we have a day off. Yeah. How dare oh. you call yourself 365? Yeah, yeah we, we don't take every single holiday. That refers to the YouTube channel because you can access the interviews and everything we do um, 24-7, 365. That's what that refers to. But nobody does more Eagle stuff than us, Jody. Um, nobody. Yeah, but how dare you take Memorial Day off, John McMullen? Shame on you. Uh, yeah, we'll be off on Monday. Uh, hopefully, everybody is enjoying their Memorial Day weekend. And as a matter of fact, yours truly is going to be off tomorrow. Uh, when when weekends, when long weekends hit, uh, guys like me, Mr. Uh, fill in part time on the radio, I get extra work. Uh, so yours truly will be uh, on WIP tomorrow morning. Filling in for John Ritchie, ex-Eagle John Ritchie. So they got an Eagle Birds 365 guy filling in for a former Eagle. Yeah, there's a little difference between John Ritchie and I. He was an actual player and could probably still play a little bit. They ne- Nobody will ever confuse me with an NFL player. Uh, but I'll be filling in for him on the radio. That I think I might be able to pull off. Uh, so I'm heading down to the Borgata tomorrow to do the show with uh, Joe DeCamera. So in my stead here on Bird Street 65, you'll get one Robbie E. Rob Ellis will be on with Johnny Mac tomorrow. So uh, feel free to be here tomorrow leading into Memorial Day weekend. But yeah, then for Memorial Day, they're actually letting McMullen and I have a day off, which is very nice. We thank the good folks at Jacob Media, Krause and the crew. Thank you very much for a day off. All right, Johnny Mac. Uh, this is the time of year uh, we're looking at phase two, phase three, little workout, just fine tuning, getting things rolling and the like. But it is a time of lists as well and rankings and disrespect uh, season. Uh, call it what you want. Uh, yeah, oftentimes that is the case. Uh, the Eagles, here's one where the Eagles don't have to worry about being disrespected. Don't know if you saw this on ESPN. It was yesterday or the day before. I don't know which. The way too early 2024 NFL draft ratings, rankings, listings. Now, I'm not talking about the players who could be going in those specific positions. I'm talking about the teams that are in the NFL right now. So you're looking at the rosters as they are, and we know there's time to change, and we're still believing the Eagles are going to upgrade at linebacker between now and week one of the NFL season. Um, but uh, you got a pretty good grasp of what teams have what rosters at this time. So you can look in your crystal ball and project how they're going to go. The teams that will be drafting in what order for the upcoming season. Johnny Mac, did you see this? I did not. Right, then I, don't I, look I, it up. Put that put that uh, mouse down. Don't be looking it up right I'm now. I'm not looking. I couldn't find it if I wanted to find it, Jody. <laughs> What what team do you think will be in possession of the number one draft in 2024? Ooh, um, number one overall pick. Who's really bad? Um, uh, uh, 
I mean, come on, say it. You know who it is. I I, I don't know who it you is. You do know who it is. Um, it might pain you to say it, but you know who it is. Really? I don't know where you're going. I'm I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of the Eagles' schedule and who the two teams. Oh, the Eagles are playing this team. Oh, all right. Uh, oh, Arizona. That would be correct. Your boy, Jonathan Gannon, first-year head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, will have the worst record in the National Football League. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay. That's incredible disrespect to uh, uh, Kyler Murray. If you know, but we don't know when Kyler's going to be back, right? Um, if the assumption is like uh, that, that's an interesting conversation for me because it seems like everybody's like, I forget who you mentioned. We had a disrespect season list yesterday you brought up where it was ranking the quarterbacks. Oh, uh, PFF, uh, Sam Munson's list on his seventh, and uh, he assumed that Colt McCoy is going to be the starter. So he rated Colt McCoy, but he assumed Brock Purdy is going to be the starter. So he rated Brock Purdy. I, I don't get why the assumption, of, well, Kyler's not going to play, but Brock's going to play. That's number one. But number two is, boy, people are disrespecting Kyler Murray. He is talented. And I feel like, I feel like people are off his bandwagon before the injury number one and i feel like he's he's got he's settled into uh people forget how good he was before when arizona was nine and oh under cliff that's King. true we're only a year and a half removed from them and, being and, nine and, 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 and 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 he was oh the cardinals are so good the cardinals are going to do this and the cardinals are going and obviously went off the rails and he's got his issues and we all know about the contract clause and all that man I, I mean, he's going to win some games by himself if he's out there. Um, s- similar to everybody's high on Justin Fields. They're very similar. And the fact that they're going to make plays no matter what's around them. Um, so, I don't know. I, it's interesting to me how people shift. It's it's a, it's a an interesting sociological uh, study, shall we say. But yeah, they're I, I don't think they're gonna be a good team. And I you know, I, I don't know why people think I'm head over heels rooting for Jonathan Gannon. And trust me, I won't think about the Arizona Cardinals more than two times next year, and one of them will be when they're playing the Eagles. I I think I'll be fine ultimately down the road, but uh they're gonna be a bad team this year. I think that's fair to say. I think they could very well have the first pick in the draft, which is going to be very interesting because then the true Kyler Murray question comes into play. What the hell do you do with him? If you got the number one pick and you think a Caleb Williams or a Drake May is worthy of being taken in a spot like that, well, you already got a quarterback you're paying $200 million through. Well, you obviously, you're that? taking another quarterback. All these people think he stinks, so you got to take another quarterback, right? You got to uh, you got to take Caleb. Except you're kind of – you talk about what the Eagles had to do with dead money cap hit with Carson Wentz back when, oh, it never happened, $30 million. You know what the dead money would be on Kyler Murray if they either had to yeah, trade him or cut him? Be, uh, 
That would be that, that would be record setting. That would be changing the face of the National Football League and how dead money, dead cap money is looked at. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves there. I but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself on the list. I was giving you McMullen. If the Cardinals are going to be the first pick in the draft, who's going to have the second pick of the draft? Tampa Bay. <laughs> they have, as per the ESPN ranking, the third pick in the draft. So you close. Good, good one on that one. Who do you think has the second pick? Um, I got to go to the AFC at some point, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Throughout two a- NFC teams so far. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I still think Indianapolis is going to stink. Poor they would have Dagen. the fourth pick in the draft. So things not all that good for the former Eagle coordinators. Yeah. And it's got uh, well, the first I pick mean... and... Our buddy Shane Steichen's got the fourth pick, the fourth worst team in the NFL. Yeah, typically when you get ahead, you know, and Nick Sirianni admits this, man. He came into a good spot because while the Eagles had a bad season, they had a great offensive line and a great defensive line, but things uh, went astray from an injury perspective. And all of a sudden, it defaulted back to being a great offensive line and a great defensive line. Usually when you're a first-time head coach, you take over the Arizona Cardinals or the Indianapolis Colts. Um, So Nick admits he lucked out a little bit um, and he did. Uh, But yeah, they're going to, they're both Jonathan and Shane are going to, are going to have some issues this year. No question about it. But you still haven't given me the team that's going to have the second overall pick in the NFL draft. Oh, uh, I thought we got him. Uh, no. It's not Tampa. It's Bucks not. Bucks are uh, three. Colts are four. Cardinals are one. Someone at two. You haven't told me yet, Johnny Mac. Uh, 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 Chicago's still going to stink. Uh, trying to think of the stinky they, teams. They would be number 10. 10. Much improvement from the Bears from one to 10. Yeah, they still stink. Atlanta still stinks. Uh, Falcons, they don't even have in the top 10. They think Falcons are going to be outside the top 10 picks. God, yeah. Who is this, by the way? Do we know? Uh, ESPN. I forget who the... Uh, it was uh, like you corrected me yesterday for uh, labeling the quarterback rankings for Pro Football Focus, which is, hey, no, it's one guy who's doing it. Um Damn it, I forget who the ESPN guy was who they um, asked to do it. Tennessee stinks. Did they throw them Tennessee in Tennessee is, yeah, in the top ten. They got them at number seven. Yeah, I'm trying to, at number six. Wow. Tennessee's uh I could see some uh, I could see team. some I could see some uh Washington hate because of Sam Howell. The Washington uh commanders are uh, scheduled to pick, at least as per this projection, eighth. In the upcoming draft. Who am I missing? That is this bad. Um, um, Another one of those new head coaches who that's the reason why he got the job because they were a bad football team. And they'll probably be bad again. Oh, next year. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Give it to me. Drawing uh, a complete blank. Here's the funny part about it. The Arizona Cardinals will have the first pick in the draft. And according to this prediction, the Arizona Cardinals will have the second pick in the draft because they've got the Houston Texans. Oh, oh yeah, Houston. I should have read, yeah. So the Cardinals would have the first pick in the draft and the second pick in the draft because they traded down last year to let Houston move up and uh, get higher in this past draft. That's pretty damn good. Your boy Jonathan Gannon might suffer this year coming into this season, 
but there could be benefits at the end of it. Callum, if you got the Callum, first pick of the draft and the second pick of the draft, yeah, man, you, you can do some wheeling dealing up there. You could get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. in one fell swoop. Um, uh, yeah. Um, Houston, yeah, Houston's still going to be bad. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but, you know, that's why they call those things way too early drafts. I mean, right. somebody's going to be better than we expect. Uh, somebody's going to be worse than we expect. And then when you're in season, you have this new breed of GMs that's going to tank to get the top picks and or do their best to tank to get the top picks. So, um, But, yeah, I, I don't have a problem. Those are the bad teams, Arizona, Indy. Houston, Tampa. Who else I mentioned? Uh, there's Tennessee. one you got. You got a bunch of them. Uh, Tennessee, Chicago. Cardinals one. Cardinals two, because that would be the Texans pick. Bucks three. Colts four. The Rams. Fifth, oh, I forgot the Rams. Yeah, the Rams. In the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Titans six. Here's one. The Pack. Seventh worst team in the National Football. Yeah, I don't think the Packers are going to be as bad as people think. I, I that's just a hunch. I have a lot of respect for that organization. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be as bad as people. I don't think they're going to be good. I but I think they're going to be five hundred ish. You can't be five hundred now, but eight right. nine uh, nine somewhere you, in that. You range. think they could win eight games? Yeah. Uh, that apparently the ESPN ranker did not. Um, Pack. Uh, who am I missing? Oh, Washington, you correctly named Raiders. Not a lot of Jimmy G love. Uh, yeah. Raiders. Well, I don't like Jimmy G. I don't like Jimmy G or Josh McDaniels, but I think they're they have enough talent to where they'll be in that eight eight win range, okay. uh, somewhere in that range. I don't think they'll be terrible. Raiders ninth and Bears tenth, which is improvement because the Bears were, of course, the number one drafting team this year. They traded out of it, but twice because, <laughs> because the uh, uh, Texans won that late game. They got the number two poor, pick. Poor Ryan but, Pace. You know, I've criticized Ryan Pace a lot, as you know, but yeah, and I'm probably too harsh on him. But that poor guy's running away from Jalen Carter. Think about that. He runs away, gives up the first round, and then he's there at 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 nine. He's got to do it again. He's got to run away from the best player in the draft because he doesn't have the case. Oh, they got him. At, the thing. They got him at ten. They ended up picking at ten because they traded down from nine. No, that's what I'm saying. He had to run away from him twice. He thought he got away from him by trading out of one to to nine, but he was oh. there at nine, and he had to run away from him again. And he's going to be, I predict, and this is my prediction, that's all it is. And and for all the people that say, I hate on the Eagles, I think Jalen Carter is going to be a star, a star, a full-fledged star. And they had to run away from him twice. So twice. you are suggesting that Jalen Carter has no off-field issues. I'm not saying he doesn't have. Well, if he's going to be a star, then he's got no issues. If he's if his star is tainted because he's suspended or isn't ready to play or whatever, that's not a star in my estimation, Johnny Mac. You got to well, you got to be on the field to be a star. Obviously, if he's not on the field, yes, it's a projection that he's going to mature a little bit. 
He's not Al Capone, as I said. He's not going to get, he's not some kind of lifetime criminal. He's got some driving issues. Uh, he's got some ticket issues. Uh, obviously a very tragic situation, but this is not a kid that's going out robbing liquor stores. I mean, he's got some immaturity issues. I think he'll fit in well. Uh, I think he's got a good support system here. I think he'll grow up a little bit, and I think he's going to be a star. But Ryan Pace couldn't take him, and he was. I give him credit for admitting it. He admitted it, basically. Right, but on the radio. see, that's why I asked the question the way I asked you. The way you laid it out there made it sound like Ryan Pace doesn't think he can play. Oh, I think he knows full well. Oh he no, can he play, knows he, he can play. Issues. Oh, he no, didn't yeah. want to risk the fact that the guy has potential issues off the field. Oh yeah, he's not an idiot. He knows he can play. He right. knows he can play. Uh, in fact, I talked to a couple people from Chicago that said flat out that he was their best player on the board, but they couldn't take him. They couldn't take him, and they knew they couldn't take him, and he admitted he couldn't take him. And that's part of the advantage Howie Roseman has. So we all agree on the skill level of the player. The question is, will there be any off-field issues? If there aren't, the Eagles got a stone-cold steal, steal at number 10. Well, but that is something we'll evaluate over the next coming, oh, I don't know, decade or so. Uh, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac here with you on Birds 365. I see in our green room, oh, he's got the T behind him. Uh, we've got our pal Chris Franklin jumping in for I don't know if he's uh, trying to make a religious statement or Franklin's no, not that's a temp- the, uh, Gloucester he's not a temple guy, the, is he? Uh, no, the Gloucester County Times. Is it Gloucester County? I don't know. Something for that. Temple yes. U he's given University. The, no. That's the old Gloucester County Times T. Gloucester yeah. County Times. We're into the Gloucester County Times newsroom with Chris Franklin next here on Birds 365. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... It's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, uh, again, just another shout out to this place for for making it easy turning tragedy into a celebration of life no matter how hard is what we do at life celebrations by givenish life celebrations by givenish customizing services as unique as the individual e-a-g-l-e-s eagles Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. I feel like I need to do that with the key in the background for Chris Franklin there. It looks, looks like I should yeah. get down on my knees and begin to practice. No, 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 no. Trust me. Uh, if you go old school Gloucester County Times and newsrooms and everything, yeah, it's furthest thing from that. It's my journalism church. There you go. I want to go that. Bless me, Father, bless me, Father Franklin, for I have sinned. I don't know why I felt the need to say that, but I, I did that, that D in the background. Um, and, oh, by the way, for all you uh, other sinners out there who are Mac and Mac fans, uh, Jacob Media fans, you go ahead and hit the like button. I know we're like the wallpaper Johnny Mac. We're there every day. People tune in every day. It's the same bunch of uh, guys on the stream every single day. You can hit the like button, button once every uh, yeah. blue moon. Keep Just us going. Five thirty-five. We got to get what's. We got to get the ten seventy. We got to double it. Uh, is that go. right? There I got to do the show math. number five thirty-five, which means it's a Chris Franklin day. Um, how's your off season been, Franklin? You know, it's, it's been pretty good. You know, I've, I've, I've actually slowed down a little bit. It's, it's weird because I'm usually so forced to like every single day, like putting stuff out, and I was like, wow, I'm like doing two, three things here and getting a chance to see more of the overview of the team and, and relax a little bit. It's weird. Yeah, breathe. You get to breathe a little bit. Uh, not too much, though, Chris Franklin. We we got uh, some players yesterday. But before I get to that, I want to bring up uh, DJ Pluker coming in for a workout. Uh, you know, maybe I'm making too much out of this, but when, when Jordan Mailata, you know Jordan. He knows all of our names, Chris. He, 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 he goes out of his way uh, to sort of connect with the people that are there. And I believe it was Zach who asked him the question about the, the, the backup tackles. And he kind of joked around and he smiled and he said, um, you want the depth chart mate? And then he said he had a tough time remembering the name of poor Fred Johnson and Roderick Johnson and, and Tyrese Robinson. Um, did I make too much out of that? Or I'm saying, man, maybe the Eagles want to upgrade at uh, Andre Dillard, a bigger loss than maybe people realize. I think they could use a swing tackle because we saw, and to me, I think Jack Driscoll's more of a right tackle than a left tackle. Yeah. So if something never happens with Jordan again, yeah, they, they, I think they need a solution. I, it wouldn't hurt to have him on standby. 
especially if you, you since you use those practice squad spots for veteran guys. I think they're going to give like the guys like Fred Roderick. One guy I like who's an undrafted free agent, Chim Okorafor from Benedict College. He's it was, it's oh, thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when you look at him, like it, it's a small school, an AIA school. But when yeah. seeing his tape, limited tape, you seen him was like dude, he's physical and he's got that nasty edge that he liked too. So I wouldn't be surprised to get those guys a look first, and then they got you the know kid what? from. Uh... Louisville is it too? Who's a good athlete? Yeah, I forget his name. Yeah, uh, Trevor name. Trevor Reed. Trevor Reed. Reed. Yeah, his, yeah, he was one of the, that one too. He he got more than a core for. I think he got he got more money than a core for. So you know, especially playing big time, he's more of an established name. But yeah, it wouldn't hurt to have a veteran presence just in case something does happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know he's brought in the training camp. They see what he's like, and he's putting like as a as a veteran practice squad, or maybe on the, one of the last guys on the roster. This question is for either of you two guys. Uh, Chris, if you know it, please uh, give us the answer. What are they doing this week in phase two? I guess we could get an updated number on how many pounds Jalen Hurts can bench press with, bench press with his legs. Uh, but is it all just weight room stuff? Is it uh, any film work included? We know it's no on-field stuff. That doesn't start till Tuesday because the Eagles are starting a week later. What are they all doing in there this week? There's some uh there's some meetings going on. I know we uh we got to know that for firsthand yesterday we had to get we had to leave out. But yeah, they're they're meeting, they're starting to I think you're starting to see a lay the groundwork, especially for these two new coordinators. You're laying the groundwork for what they expect, how they want certain routes run, what concepts and stuff like that. Some indie work going on. They're working yeah, on side they're right on the field, right Jody. Yeah. And phase two. Phase one, they're not on the field. Phase two. Yeah, every day the Eagles put out the you know. A, a slow motion video of Jalen Hurts throwing to Javante oh, or AJ Brown, <laughs> and, it, and it looks tremendous. By the way, uh, looks, uh, but they're out there, as Chris mentioned, doing some individual stuff, just uh, throwing to each other. No team drills, though. Right. Like the Patriots and getting docked uh, OTAs. Doing every year, somebody somebody does more than they're supposed to do and gets uh, penalized. Uh, the Patriots got uh, evidently two OTAs taken away from them because they're doing too much work. Uh, the Eagles, on the other hand, Chris, they backed it up a week. Um, I don't know. I mean, they played in the Super Bowl, so it was a long season. Uh, but they're not having a mandatory minicamp again. They've never had one in the Nick Sirianni era. It's hard to criticize them because it worked, right? Yeah. They made the Super Bowl. Any concern? They they don't do much work. They're <laughs> they're worried about soft tissue injury, soft tissue this, soft tissue that. Um, doesn't matter at all. You know, going in, I'm still sometimes somewhat of an old school guy in in the mentality of that, but you can't knock it if it's working. You can't knock changing it up right now because the fact that you had all these guys for the most part surviving the season and coming back and you had all your major guys toward the end of the play for to make that playoff run it helped out a lot so do what does the old football me like love to like see like the hard news grind thing yeah because it's more football it's more true to the old game old, old sense of ways but in fact to see like the new school and the science and everything that's also showing like, hey, you know what? It, it's working. So, if you want to have another run, especially as you mentioned, 
They had that long run. They went to the Super Bowl. They, that quick turnaround before everything started again. Give them some time off and get some time off or, or not as be as taxed and let them go from there. All right, Brian Johnson was here last year. He wasn't the offense coordinator. He was the quarterback coach, but he was certainly in the building and part of the team that built the offensive game plan week at, week in, week out, uh, led by Sirianni, called by Shane Steichen. Sean Desai was not here before. Now, those who you've been able to hear from, the guys you gave availability to, seem to be singing his praises pretty well. Um, but I'm sure there were some guys on the team who were a fan of Jonathan Gannon's. Any chance that any of these veterans go, yeah, what is this Desai guy thinking? We had a good thing going here, and he's actually tinkering with it and doing things differently. Any chance that there isn't everybody on the same page on the defense going into this season, Chris? I think there's always a chance for that, but for everybody I've talked to, it seems like they're all like him. They all like Desai's intelligence. They like He explains well what this, the reason why they're doing the schemes and going behind that. And we even heard from Josh Sweat yesterday saying, like, oh, he's a big fan of defensive line. And you know how they like that. And I look at that, I think it's I think it's gonna be more of a I wouldn't be surprised if Josiah goes earlier on, talking to the vets, seeing what they like, having possibly heard what happened early on in Gannon's tenure, like when he came with Fletcher Cox and him. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to go out and try to cut that off in the past before he becomes the issue. So I can see him I don't foresee any major things. I think the biggest thing is going to be how much they adjust early on and try to get to it. It's just all ter- it's a lot of terminology. It's almost like going to, hey, I just learned Spanish and then I want to implement it and use it. I want to go to Mexico. I want to go to Spain and try to use it. And you're like, hey, and it starts a little slow, like, well, this is a broken sentence. So I think it's going to be more of get, just getting used to the way he likes his things done instead of the study the other way, like Gannon did. Um, you mentioned Josh Sweat there. Um, you know, now that Isaac's gone. I think Josh Sweat is the most underrated player on the Eagles. Um, why do you think that is, Chris? Why do you think people don't realize how good Josh Sweat is? When you're on a defense that have guys that have been around for a long time, like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, and then you have a defensive player to your candidate and Hassan Reddick, you're like, you focus on a lot of that. Then you have the personalities of Slay, you see Bradbury doing things like, and Josh is quiet. Josh is pretty much to himself. You know, he, he gets along with everybody from what we've seen, like gets along with everybody in the locker too. It's just, he's not that boisterous type that has that boisterous personality that we see, <clears> like we've talked to us. So I think that's why I guess on the thing, but when you look at the tape, you look at the impact that he has on the field, you get that pressure from the backside of the quarterback. You, they got to account for him. It's not one of those things where you say, all right, let's slide the whole entire line to Hassan Reddick and just go, okay, we don't have to worry about it. He he's the balance they need on that line in order to continue to have that the, the sacks and the pressure. So I think it's more of it's just a, it's a personality thing in terms of him just being more quiet. All right. If Josh Sweat is the Eagles' most underrated players and they use their second first round draft pick on a defensive end, I look at my calendar. It's May twenty fifth. One week from today would be June first. <clears throat> Will Derek Barnett still be in Eagle camp one week from today? I think you will. I think everybody's going to be like, why is he there? We're just waiting for the penalties. We're just waiting for the roughing the passers. And he's really – they love they love him in the locker room. Like, it's almost like what we were talking about with Sweat. Like, he's one of those guys where when he talks to the media and everything, he's real quiet or doesn't talk at all. But when you go in the locker room, they like him. I mean, he was he was along for the Super Bowl ride. He was there in 
in uh, Glendale with absolutely can't travel with the team, still talks with everybody else. <laughs> so I think they're hoping that they get a guy who just gets get suppressed. And then one thing that I do look at, I, I did look at back in 2021, when you look at Barnett, he was able to get the pressures in the hurries and get the ball out quickly. The sacks weren't there. I'm not going to even, you, you can't even go after the sacks weren't, the sacks holes weren't there, but he have impacted the quarterback enough to get him moving out the pocket and, and rolling around. So if he was on, the, if he was a starter, I'd have some reservations, but for what he is on the second, on a, on the second rush line, if he can give you anything like that, Hey, you, you take it. Now here's, here's my question with Derek Barnett, Chris. Um, and I'm not near Jody's turned turned the page on him like years ago. Um, I I still think last season I thought you know what as a rotational player I got no issues with Derek Barnett, no issues whatsoever. Good player, just never lived up to expectations as the number fourteen overall pick. And 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 by the way, I'll add into it. Somebody was writing about Derek, and Darius Slay picked up on it um, and said. This is this is the year, you know. Slay, Slay is a leader, man. He he's always propping up his teammates. He's propping up Derek Barnett. Where's the playing time? Because <laughs> you have Reddick, you have Sweat, you have Brandon Graham. Now you have Nolan Smith. There, there. I mean, barring injury, when right, we always injury. say that, um, there are there's no there's no more reps. You got to get the thirtieth overall pick out there. Um, now they're not going to cut him because they can get something for him. But I do think if I say to you, Chris Franklin, week one is Derek Barnett on this roster? Is he traded? I think that is because I think you can get a day three conditional pick for Derek Barnett. There's a lot of teams that need pass rushers. Um, is he is he traded? By that uh, that road opener in New England, I think there's there's definitely positional value in that. I think part I think it would be one of the defensive tackles that I think they go light because you have Milton Williams that can go defensive end or defensive tackle sometimes as well too. I think they go lighter at defensive tackle this year because you have Jalen Carter as well too. You think you get some more snaps out of him as well. So and I know they rotate a lot, but I think maybe you cut one less defensive tackle to keep him on there, just keep those those bullets in. I mean, heck, because of Janarius Robinson, we've seen him. They just had him stash on there, too. I think he's a guy that they could probably, like, basically leave off the 53-man as a possibility to make room for Barnett or vice versa. So I wouldn't completely shut it down or anything there. I just don't – I I don't know. First of all, I said, see, who, who would want him? But I, I, I'd, probably, I'd probably say he's on the roster. <coughs> If you're going to match defensive tackles with defensive ends, Marlon T or Derek Barnett, if it comes down to that's the last defensive lineman that makes this roster, which one's staying, which one's going? I go Barnett. I really would yeah. because it's because the the only thing basically you have basically using Marlon T as a backup nose tackle. In, in, in my opinion, look at it the other way. Like, well, I think he's more suited to be the nose and. I know you use the five-man lines a lot on first down and second downs, but I don't see, especially with rush down, I think the edge rusher, that's where the positional value comes in. I think it's more valuable out of the edge rusher than the defensive tackle. Uh, Marlon Mar- 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 T is listening right now. We heard you say that, Frank. Yeah. 
I'll say this. You better be careful when you walk by his locker when you're ever. His brother's going to come after me too now. Tui's in the league. Here's why now Marlon's also coming off an injury. So who knows? You know, those PCLs, as Chris Marigos can tell you, um, things can go wrong with those PCLs. So uh, we got to see if he's healthy first. But you know, if 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 Barnett sticks, right? He's not going to have playing time. This is it, too. This is it. He's gone next year because yeah. there's no the the contract's done. So it's not like you're you're getting anything. People talk, well, you'll get a comp pick. Maybe, maybe not. Depending on what the Eagles do, they they're going to be in a different position where they're not going to put that into their strategy if we're getting a bunch of compensatory picks. Um, he's gone anyway. Why not keep the player that's going to be around uh, for a little bit? Because Marlon still has some some time on his rookie deal. You can also pump him, too. You put him on pump if you need to as well. So if, he's, if you give him more time for that knee, I mean, we yeah. saw him do it with Tyree Jackson, too. So it's, if it came down to a final, if it came down to like an either or, I still take Barnett. But I think there's a chance that that if it came down to those two, two he's still because we've seen that like he'll, he'll be like him and uh, Brett Toff and stuff like yeah you like you have a knee injury huh what yeah you have a knee injury right yeah I do okay yeah <laughs> stash put him in there in case something happens. <laughs> Let me ask you about Tyree Jackson. Shoot, we haven't mentioned his name on Birds Three Sixty Five in a month. Um, and uh, John was singing his praises, so I was buying into. Hey, this kid looks like he can play. Great uh, move from quarterback to tight end and the like, and the guy just can't get a break with injuries. I thought there was a chance Eagles were going to move on from him during the offseason. They chose not to. He's back again. He's up against a numbers fight. Uh, they signed that uh, free agent tight end. who I Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold. Yeah. Uh, my prediction is Dan Arnold will be elsewhere before the season starts. Uh, if it is a Dan Arnold, Tyree Jackson for that four tight end spot, who you got? I don't even think they keep four tight ends. Yeah, <laughs> the practice squad too. Oh, practice, uh, the, the, the 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 roster and practice squad. See, I think Arnold's brought in more for stole because I just look, looking at what they they did, especially on special. It is the Arnold one feels more special team-ish as well, too, and more as a receiving aspect as well, too. I know Stoll is more on the blocking side, but just what they were doing special teams-wise is seems like the – I think Jackson – when the coach comes out, I think they still – Jackson becomes the guy they would choose over Arnold because I think they still see the, the possibility of what you have for him, in, especially in the red zone. That, that's the guy where I look at if, – if he stays healthy and he continues to develop, when you have him matched up on, in the red zone, especially with those jump balls to the – just imagine running like a a, a, a a rub route. You have A.J. Brown going across one way. You got Tyree Jackson going across the other way. All that size, and you're trying to get in the middle, trying to just like that. It's tough to do. I think when you look at projecting stuff like that, Jackson's a guy, like, if it came down to, like, the practice squad, they'll, they'll add him one that way, too. And he's worth a shot. He was an exclusive free agent. Why not take the shot and see what you got there and have him come yeah. back for another year? One of the plays at training camp, the couple was the play got hurt on when he broke that bone in his back. Uh, remember that catch? Six foot seven guy going every bit up to get the football, landing flat on his back. Um, phenomenal catch. I, phenomenal I, catch. I, but yep. I think he was out of bounds. But um, <laughs> yeah. 
that that was up there with the Jalen Rager one handicap. Remember the Jalen Rager? Oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that right in front of him. Like, oh man, I need a shot. Like, oh, nice status, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, and to get back to Tyree Jackson one real quick. I remember sitting, next, I was standing right next to Harold Carmichael and Mike Quick, and they're sitting looking like they hit a who like they they were. If you impress those guys with a catch, I mean, it's looking good. But then he went for it, and then he got hurt. It's like, oh great, here we go. Yeah, that was wrong. Oh, I forgot about the Jalen Rager one. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a good catch. But, that, 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 that went one. viral. We can uh, say, certainly say that that went viral, and he went down the toilet thereafter. But, again, I uh, don't want to uh, kick a guy while he's down in Minnesota. Um, maybe the most important competition for the Philadelphia Eagles this upcoming spring leading into the season is going to be between – Ian Book and Tanner McKee, are you ready to evaluate their ability to spin the football as soon as the Eagles get on the field next week, Chris Franklin? Yeah, I do. I think if, if it came down to it, I think Book's a guy. I, I, I just, really? It, it, I really think so, only because of this. I mean, we've heard so much about when it comes to changing the offense. And now, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, if you get all the way down to Ian Book or Tanner McKee to playing with this offense, you you're in trouble, I think, because this you lost two quarterbacks by then. But when you look yeah, at have Brock Purdy, you never know. Oh yeah, <laughs> same, same, same the use, same the UCLs and everything like that. But I think when it comes down to it, I look at the way you would have to change your offense a little bit too. We see how much they run the zone read. We don't see much the RPOs. I think McKee would be fine with because it's one quick rethrow. We've seen Nick Foles do it, and that's yeah. the comp. Like he's that he's a Nick Foles type of guy in order to get in rhythm, trying to get the ball out, get it out accurately and quickly. But I think with the book, book still to me, he still still has a lot of talent in there. I think he's a little bit more. I think he's more. He is more mobile than McKee, and I, and I like his arm. I think it's decent as well too. And granted, I know he's only started like the one game back when he was with the Saints, but I like what I see out of him. And yeah, hopefully, he can try to sneak up McKee onto the practice squad and then give him a chance next year to uh, compete for that QB too. So, yeah, but, I, but, I, I asked Alex that, Alex Tanny, that uh, the week, last week, um, I asked him about that similar style um, because a lot has been made of it. You know, Nick is, you know, he had Philip. he loves Philip Rivers. Uh, you can't get much different from Philip Rivers <laughs> and Jalen Hurts. So from his perspective, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Um I think they just want guys who can process quickly and be accurate. And if that's Tanner McKee over Ian Book, so be it, even though it's a you have to ship the offense if you're down to Tanner McKee. But from my perspective, all right, if you can mimic some of the things Jalen Hurts does, like who cares if you do it crappily? You know, uh, that, that I think the Eagles are on the right path there. Just get a guy who... And maybe that's Ian Book. I'm not saying Tanner McKee is going to be better than Ian Book, but I do know, Chris, you know how these teams are now. They do not like to cut their draft picks. They do yeah. not like to cut their draft. Now, you could stash him on the practice squad if he's really crappy, like Carson Strong or Clayton Thorson. Um, Reed's in it. But <laughs> oh, no, he's not drafting, but still, yeah, yeah, Reed those type guys. Yeah. But Ian Book was a fourth-round pick, I believe, I believe, uh, of New Orleans. So I'm kind of like – and he was a really good college player. 
I'm kind of like torn on him. Like, why did New Orleans give up so quickly on him? And um, he's kind of undersized where Tanner McKee, but Tanner McKee's like 6'6". Six, six. Um, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting uh, competition. Uh, you usually don't get too excited about third-string quarterback. I'm kind of excited about third-string quarterback. I think it's an interesting competition. For me, quarterbacks are always saying, if, if anything with a quarterback, I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, cool, what's this footwork? Oh, this, foot, this guy's footwork's good. Okay, you see how well he kept the backside in because they have to respect him running on the outside. And I just think when you have a more mobile quarterback, I mean, accuracy, we, we've heard Nick, accuracy is key on that one. And if both guys are accurate or ac- as accurate as they can be, I look at the guy in a mobile quarterback because I think he gives you more spacing and the fact that he can't just – forget about contain or I watch that you may have to add a spy and that just the fact that you can occupy an extra guy or two who you're afraid that's going to pull out on like a zone read or something like that I just think you get more space to run some more stuff on the backside as well too so I think that's a for me that's a big thing for that to have a mobile guy all right shame on me for not being able to remember because they got Ian Book during the preseason last year right the end of preseason uh, end of uh waivers final cut Right. Um, so the Eagles had four quarterbacks in camp last year. Hertz, Minshew, Carson Strong, and Reed who's Stinnett. the other guy? Reed Stinnett. Reed Stinnett. Where is Reed Stinnett? Was he XFL USFL? Forget where's Waldo. Where's Reed Stinnett these days? Come on, you guys. He was. You were tight yeah. with him. You were like this. Where is Reed <laughs> Stinnett these days? He was. He was playing for... Uh, one of those, he's playing for the XFL. He's Uh, playing in the spring. San Antonio. The San Antonio, the mighty San Antonio Brahmas. What what was his quarterback ranking, if you have it handy there, Johnny? That I can't help you with. It's tough to get those. You can't get the San Antonio, uh, what are they? He was a a backup with the Brahmas. He he started one game. Uh, He was 13 of 19 for 97 yards and a touchdown. That sounds like, and that didn't get him immediately mm-hmm. signed on an NFL roster. This, year? Uh, as of now, he is not signed uh, to an NFL roster. <laughs> but you know, the San Antonio Brahmas have a legendary history, and he's part of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> some the of the other, who's the coach of the San Antonio Dramas? Uh, San Antonio head coach, uh, the GM, and the head coach. <laughs> Is the great Heinz Ward? How about that? Well, I actually saw one of their games. Yeah, I Heinz had Ward. that on my TV, and I'm like, uh, oh, I know who that is. It's Heinz Ward. Paxton Lynch <laughs> is on that team. Was on that team. Jack Jack. Oh, that's Cone. why Reed Stinnett wasn't playing because he was sitting behind Paxton Lynch. Jack Cohn can't be Paxton Lynch. Another Ooh. former uh, Notre Dame, also Wisconsin quarterback, Jack Cohn, and Kurt Ben Kurtz. Um, him too. Oof. East Carolina, Virginia guy. Uh, yeah, so oof. a lot of competition at quarterback for the San San Antonio Brahmas three sixty five baby. Yeah, good. Luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Heinz better come on show every single day. He's got to be a uh, featured guest on uh, Dramas three sixty five. All right, uh, so next week with the Eagles actually doing some outside teamwork drills as a squad rather than just individual and the like, give me a, a potential 
storyline that you're you're going to be working on, Chris, that you're thinking about either a competition, either a guy stepping up into a more important role or an issue that the Eagles have? Uh, what, what are the things you can't wait to get out there and be able to see and add that to your story that, yeah, no, the Eagles are better than I thought they were going to be here. No, this is something that the Eagles still have to address. Is there a uh, story you're leaning toward next week? And, oh, by the way, the only one who's going to steal it is McMullen because none of the other <laughs> beat writers uh, are, are watching right now. But uh, just talk to me. Forget the John's here. Uh, you, you got the makings of a story for next week when the Eagles actually get on the field? You know, being that we're in the cone of, of, of secrecy and silence you right now. You got the T behind you. No one would steal what <laughs> the T behind you. They know that they would face eternal damnation if they stole a story idea from you. Hey, it's, it, I come from the lineage of Ruben Frank. You know, he used to work for the Gloucester Italian Times, so I have yeah. to watch out for him too on that one too now. But looking back, I'm looking at the I want to look at the linebackers. I want to look and see how Morrow and and Dean really do a coverage when they have to get out there and, and do that. No, Grant's non touch some stuff, stuff like that. But I want to see how well they flow. I want to see how well Nicobe Dean commands that defense. How he can how he adjusts the front and he's a bright guy. Well, I mean, if you got an engineering degree. I mean, you, you got to be doing something because that's that's a tough feel. So I want to see how he how he adjusts to being the guy in the middle because he's going to be probably wearing a green dot, you know, communicating yeah. with Desai. So yeah. that's the guy. I, I want to see how that – I want to see how Mario, you know, I know he's a little bit lighter, but I want to see how he does. And it's not going to be hitting. By the way, thank you both watching yesterday. Uh, Nicobe Dean still listed at 230 pounds. Now, I'm just watching on my computer screen, so it's not big, 40 – he doesn't look like 230 pounds to me. The, the Eagles are still adding weight to what Nicobe's carrying. He's are got they big not? traps, so maybe that gives him. I'll give him 224. Yeah, but they're 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 uh, gilding the lily that. a little bit on the size yeah. of Nicobe Dean. They're inflating that a little bit. At C like, Franklin know. News, Chris Franklin. Uh, make sure you follow um, Chris on Twitter. Uh, tremendous uh, reporter, better guy, NJ.com. You can read them there. Uh, South Jersey Times, Lehigh Valley, Live Times of Trenton, all over the place. Um, you know, Nicobe, the biggest part of that, I'll leave it there with you, is that that was a signal, Chris. You know how the Eagles do business. Uh, they're only putting out, this is the second sort of grouping of veteran players in the offseason they gave to reporters. That means you're a part of things and yep. <laughs> he's going to be the leader of this defense. He's going to call the defense. He's going to be the green dot. Um, they plan for this, but are you a little concerned that they didn't carve out a little bit more time for him last year? Say, Hey, take a series for Kaiser white here, there, or do you think it's not that big of a deal? 34 reps overall. I don't think it was because I think when you had a defense that was going, if there were issues early in the season, I mean, like really big issues where the defense was not only missing tackles, but missing coverages, the guys couldn't run out things and they were just really getting blown off the ball. Then I think that was a time that would have been a time to insert them, see what you had there. But the way that TJ Edwards was playing, even with Kaiser, if you played him on the weak side, Kaiser was playing well at the time. So yeah, I, I have no problem with that. And in fact, I'm still, I mean, getting back to the old school thinking that I like when guys have a chance to sit on the side, get immersed inside, to get used to everything, and then 
going out there. So just throwing in the fire and go, okay, that. And then, because to me, only bad things can happen. Like, I look at, God, like, I know you get them the experience and they try to feel for themselves, but if a guy goes happen and say confidence goes bad or they get hurt so, and they don't know what to do or stuff like that, I think you can ruin down the line. So the fact that he got that time to sit back and watch, I think will be, is, is more beneficial than just throw them out there immediately. So I think that helped out a long way. CF is always good stuff. We appreciate it. Whenever you come on, we'll be reaching back in just a couple of weeks. You're going to have to put up standing next to McMullen next week. So I'll apologize <laughs> in advance for you there. Uh, but thank you very much for jumping on with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. Thanks, Franklin, NJ.com here with us on Birds 365. All right, running a little late. Quickie timeout. Come back. We're going to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
Bowen and McDonald. Last couple minutes here with you on Break 365. Go ahead and hit that like button before you exit stage left, which we're going to do coming up here in just a couple minutes. Last question for you, Johnny Mac, and then I'm not going to see you for a couple days. I'm off tomorrow. We're off on <laughs> Monday. You won't have to put up with me till Tuesday. Um, but answer me this. You were talking about the Eagles being able, if you're an Eagle fan, they select the players to make available to the media, read between the lines, uh, do what you have to do. We hear all the time about the Eagles do thing as a collaborative effort, the draft, that there are scouts and there are assistant general managers and there are uh, coaches. And uh, of course, Jeff Lloyd steps in and tells them to take Jalen Hurts when he's available <laughs> in the second round. Um, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with Howie Roseman. He's the GM and he takes everybody's opinion and information and he makes the call for the pick. Who decides who does step up to the microphone to talk to you guys? Who who does the buck stop with? Uh, Bob Lang is the Eagles uh, PR chief. Um, now, the buck stops, you know. He, he tries to corral players as best. Sometimes players aren't available. Like, I, you know, when you asked me to predict, who knows what Brandon's doing? I said 100% on Brandon. Yeah, we didn't get Brandon. I, I agreed with you on that one. Now, now, he was, I saw he was out doing charity work. I don't know if that was yesterday. It might be something like that. They might not be there because they're right. doing something else. So it, a lot of it depends on, on logistics. We were supposed to get DK McDonald. Yesterday, the secondary coach, we didn't get him because he was in a meeting. Um, wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to keep us there for hours. Um, so, you know, it's not like he can decree, hey, you're doing this. Uh, it's kind of, you know, we're the last on the list of things to do. Um, and they, I, I try to prop you guys up a little bit. Come no. on, this is important stuff. We're last on the list, and they prefer we weren't on the list, <laughs> uh, to be honest. Um, so uh. it, it, it depends on a lot of things, and he tries to wrangle people. But while I say that, you know, when I said like it means something, you know, we're not getting, um, Sean Bradley at this time of year. Nothing against Sean Bradley. He's a very good special teams player. Um, it, you know, they're only giving us meaningful, um, impactful players um, in this stage of the game, so to speak. And then that you didn't get Davion Taylor yesterday. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, Davion's another good example. Um, now, hey, I like the old days when. The locker room was open. And, and you chose for yourself. Yeah. yeah, because a lot of the stories at this time of year are the underrated guys, the undrafted guys. Like, we're never getting the undrafted guys. They might have the most interesting stories. I remember when Jeremy Reeves was here. Now he's a Pro Bowl player in Washington, special teams player. Had such an interesting backstory. Um, those, but, hey, like everything else, things have changed and, you got to make do. Well, we may do this week, uh, partner. Have a good time with Robbie E. tomorrow. I'll see you on Tuesday. But uh, yeah, happy Memorial tomorrow. Day. Happy um, Memorial Day to Johnny Mac, to all of our streamers. Hey, be back here tomorrow because Rob will take care of yeah. you with Johnny Mac. I won't see you till Tuesday. But uh, as always, thanks for streaming in here on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365. 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.